Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You will either reap fleshly corruption or you will reap by the Spirit everlasting life. And Cain is there. He's right at that crossroads. He's right at that threshold of life. And he's angry. And he's very angry. And he's so angry that his thinking is not correct. He's not even thinking straight. And what a terrible condition to be in when you're going to make decisions that will follow you all of your life. And anybody, any Christian in particular, that reads this passage of God giving Cain a second chance wants to cry out to Cain, Cain, listen to God. Accept that offer of repentance. Do right, Cain. So let's read our text this morning. Genesis chapter 4, 8 through 15. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass... When they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, God, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. We have murder happening. Cain rises up against Abel. Cain will slay Abel, and he will probably slay Abel in the same way that he has seen animals slain. Cain will probably slit the throat of Abel, his brother, because that's how they killed animals for sacrifice. But Cain gets Abel alone, showing premeditation, and he kills Abel. And immediately, God asked Cain, where is your brother? God wants Cain to at least confess the murder. Cain will then utter the most, uh, or one of the most famous lies of distraction. First he says, I do not know, outright lie. And then he says, am I my brother's keeper? By the way, Cain, you are, (laughs) just like you and I are. We can't avoid that. We are our brother's keeper. Uh, In 1 John 3, 17, part of our passage that we read this morning, 
But whoever has the world's good and sees his brother need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? We are our brother's keeper. We're told clearly to love one another, and especially a fellow believer. Christians, we are to be loving. We are to be compassionate people. We are to be the most caring people in this world. We're to do things like feed the hungry. We're to, to take care of one another. But a brother in the Lord takes priority over those in the world. Never miss that. We're to love one another. So Cain, yes, you are your brother's keeper. Never intended to be his murderer. Now God will get more direct with Cain. And he says to Cain, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Without a doubt, most assuredly, Cain has sinned against Abel, his brother, by killing him. But Cain also has sinned against God because all sin is directed against God before it's directed against anyone else. That is the principle of Scripture. David when confessing his sin of killing Uriah, against you and you only, God, have I sinned. And I want to say, how about Uriah? <laughs> Uriah's got a gripe here too, David. But David understood. First and foremost, sin is against God. And God will now give mankind a principle of his characteristic. He will show us a little bit of himself. And he says, your brother's blood, or my creation, cries out to me from the ground. Murder does not happen in this world without the victim's blood crying out to God. So think with me here for a moment. God is quick to question Cain about the spilled blood of Abel. It doesn't, you know, several days don't go by. It says... And right away or immediately, God asks Cain, where is your brother? God then tells Cain, your brother's blood has cried out to me. I am his creator. His blood has cried out to me. Now, here's what I want you to consider. How many cries of murder, of the murdered victim and their blood, do you think goes up into the ears of God each and every day? In Revelation chapter 6, verse 10, the murdered saints ask God, How long, Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? Those, those that have been killed want to know how long, God, before you take vengeance on those who killed us. And, but then the next verse, God says, rest a little while longer until the number is complete. Peculiar thing to say. Indicating that there is a day when God will say, that is enough. I've had it. No more mankind. I believe many murder crimes are solved 
because God himself avenges the blood of that slain victim. Because their blood cries out to him. And I think these murderers, they commit some foolish mistake. They leave a clue as to who did the murder or something. Because God does not want a murderer to get away with murder. He didn't let Cain get away with it. And so I think many murder crimes are solved by God causing that murderer to do something foolish to get caught. But why would God question Cain? God knows Cain has murdered Abel. God declares your brother blood cries out to me. Cain has committed the worst of sins, and that is murder. Cain most likely, like I said before, slit the throat of Abel because he's seen animals killed that way. But back to the question. Where is your brother? God is trying to pull out of Cain a confession of sin. Because God wants to deal with Cain's guilt and punishment. It's not going to be swept under the rug. God wants to deal with it, and he wants Cain to confess. It's interesting to note that there is nothing recorded in Scripture for is Abel doing Cain any wrong whatsoever. Cain, if you can have a perfectly innocent victim, or Abel is, that perfectly innocent victim of his brother's murder. It would be so much better for Cain to confess to God. I killed Abel because I was mad at you, God. But Cain can't bring himself to do that. He can't bring himself to confess. When discipline or punishment is needed, the perpetrator, the guilty one, needs to acknowledge their sin or their crime. Even in the courts today, the court system works and the prosecutors want, and the judge oftentimes wants to hear remorse coming from that one who has committed the crime. They want to hear that. The family needs to hear it. Discipline and punishment is needed. It was needed with Cain. And many times a criminal will throw himself on the mercy of the court or if it's a child, they'll throw themselves on the mercy of mom and dad. <laughs> you know, what I did was wrong. But confession is good because it allows for the sin to be dealt with. But God had to corner Cain, didn't he? God had to basically say, Cain, I know what you have done. Because your brother's blood cries out to me. Therefore, Cain, here is your punishment. The ground that you till, the ground which you make your living from, the ground that has swallowed up your brother's blood will no longer yield its strength for you. And Cain was a farmer. 
Cain's existence changed right then because now life will be a struggle for Cain. His livelihood as a farmer, the thing that has brought Cain, uh, his living, his substance, his satisfaction is now removed. For Cain will now be a fugitive and a vagabond. His father Adam had been driven from the garden. Cain is now driven from the ground itself. For Cain, there is no resting place. Cain admits, he says, my punishment is more than I can bear. And don't all of us want to say, you should have thought about that before you killed your brother. <laughs> That's one time we want to give them, but hey, maybe you should have thought about that before you killed him. But criminals have a peculiar way of thinking. They live with the illusion that I will not get caught. It's like this giant blind spot in their life before they commit a crime. Well, we'll just get away with it. How, they don't know, but they just assume they will get away with it. When Cain was asked a question by God, he lies by saying, I don't know where Abel is. And then he says, trying to shift that, he says, am I my brother's keeper? Cain now declares the same Cain now declares, my punishment is greater than I can bear. That's a feeble attempt at confession by Cain. Note Cain's assessment of his punishment. I am driven from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face, God. And anyone who finds me will kill me. Wow. Cain understands that now, for the rest of his life, he will be on the run. Never again to settle down, to be at home, to be at peace with the ground or with his God. Cain has lost fellowship with God because Cain's face is now hidden from God. But our Lord and our God, he is a God of mercy. Cain, he's definitely afraid of being murdered. Cain's anger that caused him to murder is now remorse and fear. And God declares his mercy to Cain. Whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And then the Lord sets a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Contrary to much speculation, nobody knows the mark that God put on Cain. And sometimes we preachers being cute will ask one another, well, what do you think the mark was that God put on Cain? And then you listen to see if that person will answer. Well, I asked Gail Irwin, <laughs> and I have a lot of respect for Gail Irwin. I said, well, Gail, what was the mark that God put on Cain? And to my surprise, he answered me. <laughs> he, 
Gail says it could have been nothing more serious than a frown versus a smile. And I go, wow, there you go. Nobody maybe frowned up until this point. But I have speculated about this. Have you ever speculated about what the mark was? A mark that soon as others saw it, they would back off and allow Cain to live? And this is speculation on my part, unless <laughs> if you say God didn't put that mark on him, I'll say, well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Speculation, all right? <laughs> in Ezekiel chapter 9, God tells the scribe who has this ink horn in his hand, go put a mark of protection on the forehead of those who are crying out to me. So the scribe in Israel is told to put a mark on the forehead of those that are crying out to God. Now, we do not know what that mark was, but we do know that it was on the forehead. Revelation chapter 7, the 144,000 of the tribes of Israel are sealed with a mark of God on their forehead. Back to my speculation. God has marked Cain, in my opinion, on the forehead, in some manner warning others not to harm him. Maybe it's something like a giant birthmark or, you know, <laughs> who knows? No one knows what that mark was. Today we make convicts wear stripes on their uniform and that lets everyone know that that person is a prisoner. In times go by, different uh, tribes, uh, and so forth, would put on what they call war paint. Today, tattoo parlors put on war paint. No, tattoo parlors are marking the faces, necks, and heads of their clients. Mike Tyson, former heavyweight champ of the world, has facial tattoos that reach around like, you know, fingers over his eye. I go, oh, that looks good, Mike. <laughs> uh, Anyway, sort of drifted there. But anyway, let me close with this. Think for a moment how Eve must feel. Eve is the mother of Cain and Abel. She has to deal with the death of one son and knowing that the other son was the one that killed him. The curse of sin has come full circle for Eve. She has experienced pain in childbirth, but can you imagine the pain that this mother feels knowing one son is dead and the other son killed him? You see, sin has serious repercussions. We do not sin in a vacuum. Our sins have an effect on those around us, upon the ones we love. Sin has brought forth the curse of death, not only for Adam and Eve, for they now realize that they will die, but now Adam and Eve's son is a murderer. 
the heartache, the sorrow that uh, that Abel, not Abel, Adam and Eve feel, the guilt that they must feel, because you see, Adam and Eve introduced sin to the world. And now it's come back and it has bit them and it has bit them very hard. Cain being a murderer, it had to break their heart. And it's a vivid illustration of the consequences of sin. In our passage, in our reading this morning that Bill read, Cain, because of his evilness, committed murder. There's something else that's missing, too, because there's no record of Cain repenting of his sin. The story of Cain is a story of tragedy and where sin leads. And it all started because Cain was angry at his brother without a cause. Don't let sin take a foothold in your life. You will not like the consequences. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, help us to see sin as you see sin. Help us to understand that there's no casual or small sins. For behind sin, you tell us that its desire is to rule over us. Its desire is to control us. Its desire is to separate us from you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you we have forgiveness of sins through Jesus. And Lord, we would pray that we would always be quick to repent, quick to turn from our sin, quick to accept your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for making provision for us. Put a heart within us that comes after you, Lord, one that responds to your love, and may we make you master and Lord of our life, not sin. We pray for this. We ask for this in your name, Jesus. Amen.